Hello, I'm here on Rentbox TV and John Clay for doing that rare thing when we offer nuanced commentary on race, gender and other community concerns in the 21st century Britain and abroad. Um, as usual, we are subject driven and so we'll avoid the risk of spending 15 to 20 minutes introducing the people that we have. That will unfurl as we continue. So if you're watching on the full length version of this on YouTube and you like our content, do remember to hit like and click subscribe for more of this kind of upload. So today's question is the commodification of marginalized cultures for commerce. Eugene, tell me more about your background growing up in the Ukraine. Hi, John. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thank you for inviting us. It's really no, an honor and pleasure for me. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to know more about your background in the Ukraine because that will have something to do with our question today. Yes, uh, it's. Uh, uh, I will try. My English is not perfect, but uh, I think Paul will help me. <laughs> yes, okay. And, uh, <laughs> uh, mm, and it's quite triggering for me to talk about this and especially on, on the camera on the video but i will try i mm, was born in kiev this is capital of ukraine in the age of in the age of kiev in the at the age, age of kiev at the age of kiev <laughs> and uh, it was in 1980 it was like soviet union and uh, I was born in a very strange family, but quite a lot of families in Ukraine like this. Uh, my one, one, my grandma was uh, one who uh, organized Bolshevik Revolution. One, one member of uh, people who organized Bolshevik Revolution in Kiev, and uh, she was Jewish. Uh, but uh, then she worked in, in uh, KGB, it's like uh, NKVD department, and uh, she was like one of main figures in Kyiv and uh, in KGB, and she uh, signed uh, orders to shoot people. And she was really concerned that she helped party and she helped communism. She was really idealistic. And uh, at the same, at the same time, she uh, was Jewish, and uh, uh, they don't like, uh, they didn't like Jewish people in Soviet Union. And uh, uh, if you want to be a member of party, you need to change. You needed to change your, you had to change your nationality and even your surname to Russian. And she, all her life, she uh, hid her nationality and tried to hit her Jewish accent and uh, she had uh, like Russian's name. Wow. And, uh, How did this affect you and your your identity? Uh, yes, I feel like not <laughs> not fully Ukrainian, fully welcomed in Ukraine because I'm half of Jewish and uh, 
And my my dad was uh, he was Jewish and he died from cancer when I was uh, five years old, and uh, he had very difficult life because when he was child uh, there were fascists in Kiev, and they came to take him and to shoot him, and one Ukrainian woman said that uh, he is her son, and she saved him. Mm. Wow. So it's quite yeah, it's very heavy, like um to say the very least. Um and can the... I just ask, how did you guys meet? Uh in Ukraine. <laughs> no. Um I lived in Ukraine for about 18 years before coming back to UK in a few years ago. So uh and uh I was part of running like a, a coffee house drop-in sort of centre thing uh, in Kiev and at that time there wasn't really a lot of things going on. Uh, and, it was uh, like social work. Yeah, it was like social work but it was... Mostly for street kids. Yeah, a lot of street kids and uh, just people that had nowhere to go which really there was a lot of people at a loose end at that time. <laughs> So we were, it was very popular and... Uh, I came to this uh, house <laughs> and we start to uh, play music together in this coffee house. Yeah, that was the first time. Indeed, indeed. There's so much about your backstory which is fascinating. What I'll do is, in the description box of this video, I'll put a link to the interview that you did with Alex Maisie, because that's what I first um, read of you guys when you sent it my way and it's just... There's so much there and I'd rather people read it as well, because it's obviously for you, as you said, it's quite triggering. But we'll move on to the next question, which is to do with our overall topic today. Um, Paul, you identify as non-binary, yes? How do you feel about people with massive platforms who feel threatened by non-binary folk and as an ideologue rather than a group of people? Okay, that's, I think that's a very complicated question. And the more you think about it, the more complicated it becomes. But uh, instead of just saying, well, they're bigots, I'd like to try and say something. So um, I think uh, the reason why people probably feel they're threatened if they have a big platform, if they have a lot of influence, is because they don't want to lose their influence. I mean, maybe there are lots of other reasons, but this is probably the main reason. And this is to do with predictability about um, mass culture and uh, uh, ma the, uh, what, how mass culture portrays what gender should be and binaries. And, but not just that, it, it covers everything, I think, but in the sense of non-binary, uh, they feel threatened because it's something that they're not used to and so, uh, if you're trying to make money, if you have a platform, usually you're trying to monetize your platform, make money. And so the way to do that is to know who your audience is. And so the simpler things can be for them, the easier. Sure. So I think in the, if you put it in a capitalist con concept, then that is probably the reason why they feel threatened. The biggest reason why they feel threatened is because uh, this ideology is a threat to change for something to change and they don't want things to be different they want things to be the way they're structured and then 
that just makes it easy to sell. Sure. Can you give me an example that comes to mind when you talk about this? An example? Um, well, for, for instance, uh, when we talk about, when you talk about uh, binary in culture, uh, you think about gender roles in society. If you if you go way way back to uh, the, uh, we talk about very structured roles which are changing now, and uh, I think uh, people with platforms are changing how they look at this because they have to. But but if you go way back, it's like mom is in the kitchen and you're selling mum washing machines and uh, things for the kitchen, dad is doing. So this is the very, obviously it's changed, you know, since the fifties quite a lot, but there's still a very binary roles, things that uh, you can sell men, certain kinds of perfume, you can sell women this, you can, and uh, if uh, you don't know, it's hard to make products for people that you don't understand. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think is is that an example? I think it, I think that's a, um, well. You took it into a different place. I was thinking, can you think of a specific, um, say, personality or say, group of uh, people who have been threatened by um, the idea of uh, non-binary people, rather than understanding that they are just people? You know, I, I can think of a few examples, but I don't want to. <laughs> okay. I don't want to feed this into. So, did I answer a different question? <laughs> Sorry, did I answer a different question? Um, you answered it in a in a, a, a different way, but that's fine. Okay. I, I'm happy to know <laughs> that you answered it like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, like what I'd like to know more, because the the umbrella topic today is the commodification of marginalised cultures for commerce. Um, let's face it, you're a Guardian journalist's wet dream. If only one of you were a person of colour to make the dream complete. I mean, do you ever get concerned that your unique backstory will be co-opted by press as an ongoing commodification of marginalised folk? Mm. So far, I, can, I can't imagine it because so far I see quite opposite things I see like somehow we are threat for uh, like even for social justice liberal culture for something like this because we are not fully fit in and uh, uh, I can give you example you already said something about this in your question but I had uh, like funny not very funny <laughs> but experience with uh, like uh, one a small DIY label that helps, uh, that support uh, uh, marginalized, marginalized people, marginalized musicians invited me, they really invited me to join them. And uh, then they um, asked me to talk uh, a bit about me, about my story. And uh, I was uh, very excited. I didn't uh, realize that uh, they will invite me to join, join them and I, honestly uh, told uh, them my story and when they realized that I'm not black. Wow. <laughs> yes, and yes, I was shocked and, and because it's absolutely different and my story absolutely different, of course. And, and uh, that I'm not fully white, I mean white Western, and uh, I haven't uh, uh, like uh, connections to these platforms to help them financially or something like this. 
and uh, uh, they started even they just started harassing me and they started bullying because I don't fit in at the, they I don't know what they feel it's it was like they can sell it or something like this and uh, I can help him help them and I feel it's this is like it's it works when uh, uh, social justice activism just turned out to product for selling. Yeah. It's not uh, it's not care for marginalized people really. It's not. So what were they? Their attitude changed towards you because you didn't have what they needed to sell what they were, right? I think so. I think so because I don't fully fit in. Sure. And also, I think that uh, people, that uh, Ukrainians and other Eastern Europeans, they haven't a big community in the Western world. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, they haven't uh, like uh, any power, any, so they don't represent it so much in Western world. So I, I don't think, and we approached some journalists, some press more with our music, but they weren't interested at all. Even who should be interested in social justice activism, and we really, uh, we really focused on uh, our music because uh, when people uh, hear about my story, they uh, quite a lot of people unfold me because they feel threatened or it's, it's something like exotic for them, something too marginalized, or I don't know what they think. Did they actually, what, write to you say that they were no longer interested or they just stopped following you? Did you see a change once your story was out there? Is that what you're saying? Uh, people, are doing in our audience that I, they started to just unfold us. They didn't say anything. Hmm. Wow. What do you, I mean, what what do you think that you could you do anything about this? I mean, it's such a horrible situation to be in because you're you're having the ability to express who you are now and not necessarily have to play any role because of any particular area that you're living in or um, the kind of people that might have given your mother like problems. Now you can actually be yourself, and they're not really accepting that. That must be so difficult. Like, what do you think, Paul? Um. It's very difficult. I think uh, um, I think it's uh, also related just to uh, people. A lot of people um, like to relate to something, you know, uh, that is in their life and somehow is connected to them, uh, whether it be like the music that you listen to when you're 16 years old that you still listen to today which is nothing wrong with that but people uh you know culture is definitely a commodity you know and whether you like it or not if you've been watching tv for a number of years in uk you will have seen different things to someone in ukraine and uh, i think because it's not quite something they can place people rejected because it's difficult to amplify sometimes sometimes you don't want to uh, listen to other people's stories you want uh, 
to just to, because they you don't find them relevant to you i guess that's a simple way i can put it i suppose so it and especially maybe in the age of social media because it's very easy very quick to uh, unfollow and like it's uh, oh that's what i like that's what i don't like it happens very fast in somebody's brain and yeah it, it's just it sounds um quite tragic in that you can be listening to someone's music reading their lyrics totally at one with what it is they're saying then they introduce an element of their of their life and it's not like you're saying something that you've done which is is criminal or morally reprehensible you're just showing another part of your personality and they use that as an opportunity to leave so maybe in a way you, you don't want such people being part of your fellowship to begin with and really because if they're that fickle you know then maybe you don't want to have an association with them um but that's sad um i have uh some more questions um this may be an obvious one but i just want to know how if at all has your backgrounds been expressed uh, in this latest record that you're going to be uh promoting yes of course my backgrounds are expressed in our all records and uh, this is because i have a complex PTSD and I have a dissociation and I'm not neurotypical and uh, this is the way how I can express myself in uh, images and in symbols and uh, sometimes I haven't uh, like connection with my uh, between my narrative and my emotions because I have dissociation and sometimes uh, my emotions uh, like mm, my body holds my emotions and uh, I feel pain and uh, or I have like uh, nightmares like in this song uh, wow. and uh, when I express it through art and when uh, these symbols these images and when I uh, uh, like the more I sing about this, the more I uh, uh, play about this, the more I dance about this on stage, the more people listen it, the more I feel like I uh, um, can... Uh, uh, the, more, the less pain I feel in my body because I can express it and the more I can uh, uh, think about this, and uh, the more I feel like healing. Sure, sure. And, and the more I understand, understand what it was about. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, quite difficult, uh, this language of images and uh, non-neurotypical language of uh, visuals, uh, visual language and symbols. Sometimes in leftist uh, circle, they don't understand it. Yeah. Wow, well, I'm surprised that um, people would choose to leave what you guys are doing, considering how, if I may say so, how in involved your creative life and expression is to your actual selves. Because I've interviewed quite a number of artists across the years, and more often than not, there are people who aren't even aware that what they're promoting isn't necessarily an extension of who they are, but how they want to market themselves so that other people will pay them attention. 
and you seem to be the real deal. So thank you for being authentic in that way. Um, it's true. Um, I have more questions. Um, so what have been your coping mechanisms, bearing in mind the last um, question, as musicians to deal with the obstructions posed by the pandemic for live performance? Because you can't perform live now, so how have you dealt with it? Mm. Well, first of all, I guess I should say that uh, right at the start of the pandemic, uh, our tour was cancelled, pandemic. <laughs> I need Eugene to, to correct, teach me English and <laughs> I definitely correct my, so correct my grammar. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> Tell me more about this tour. I mean, is it any schedule? It was, well, it was quite a big tour and uh, it, yeah, we just cancelled or half of it got cancelled, the other half we cancelled and then by necessity everything. But uh, we still had one gig and uh, mm -hmm. when we had coronavirus. Yes, we still had, we played the first <laughs> show of the tour so we could get coronavirus and then... It's a show. <laughs> and we were ill for three months, very ill, so I even, uh, I was lying down in my bed and uh, I, I couldn't do anything, so sure. wow. we couldn't play any gigs, anything, and uh, then I uh, uh, social media. Uh, when, uh, left the social media. Social media for several months because I was too ill and uh, we lost quite some audience I think because you need when you are musicians you need to post content every day and yeah and I haven't like supportive community already told about told about this we have audience we have fans but uh, it was it's uh, really hard but uh, we are yeah. alive <laughs> <laughs> and we uh, we did uh, some music and uh, it was yes. quite cool and we uh, uh, communicated with nature, with forest. You oh. can to see trees. <laughs> That's wonderful. I think there's there's quite a few people actually that I've spoken to. I was speaking to someone the other day about just going out and just enjoying nature. Um, and obviously before the pandemic, we know it's there, but we can take it for granted, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So that's very true. So that, that's a good coping mechanism. Um, let's talk about your song finally, because as you know, I really like to promote the idea of the discussion about a community issue and then save the subjects till last. So you guys are in Tangerine Cat. You have a song and it's come out, it's called Something Broken Inside. Um, I've broke got- inside. Sorry? Something Broke Inside. Something Broke Inside, yes. <laughs> um, but yes, I have three kind of miniature questions within that. Um, what broke exactly? Uh, what broke it? And can it be fixed? Uh, so I, I already said that it was uh, from my nightmare. Nightmare, I was overwhelmed uh, uh, because I had uh, a lot of issues here because I I didn't feel like I, I'm a migrant. I didn't feel like I'm an equal because I'm a migrant and people here didn't see me as, as someone equal and uh, even musicians, fellow musicians didn't see me like someone who has musical history in different country, like someone who just appeared here and uh, 
something like this and I hadn't uh, any community and I was really isolated and when I was overwhelmed I had this nightmare that uh, uh, I spit in blood from uh, mm -hmm. my mouth and uh, then uh, glass started to come, come out, out. and uh, I wake up and I I felt I I just uh, questioned myself what was that <laughs> And and I question myself every time. I I don't really know. Maybe it was my fear of себя. Belief in myself. Belief in myself. Maybe it was hope or something like this. Wow. And it's intense because um, I can't help but think that when, particularly in the Western culture that I've grown up in. When you're like, say, 15, 16, you may give yourself the idea that you're the outsider and you kind of like let that become an identity. And unfortunately, um, not myself, but people who I would consider like quite interesting and intelligent people when they take on that identity and they get confronted by people such as yourselves who are legitimately from the outside and having to to find a way of expressing themselves within a foreign culture, they often are treated um, as if um, that they are below. Do you know what I mean? And it, it shouldn't be that way. Like you guys have got so much to offer because you're from an outside. That that should be something that, um, for want of a better way of saying it, the community would want to embrace. Um, so I feel like I have to apologize on behalf of Britain for Brexit now, but. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously i'm just i'm very 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 happy to meet you and like to hear your music um is there anything you wanted to basically say about your music to new fans or 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 old fans in general before we wrap up the interview I don't know. I want to say that we are very really honest with you. This is what that's beautiful. I want to say. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I'd like to hear more honest musicians. So thank you for being that way. Um, thank you for your time. Um, everyone, thank you for watching this uh, mini episode of Antbox TV. Um, we upload a new episode every week on Fridays before 12.30pm noon. Um, do hit like and subscribe for more or and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter or more. Um, yeah, next week's episode will be uh, the second part of the question posed in episode two. Um, and that was how has the idea of the superhero benefited fictional media and what is the case for its negative impact on modern content? So um, I would very much, very like to see you there. For now, I'll say goodbye to you and say goodbye to Tangerine Cat. Have a lovely day. And I hope lots of people click on your record. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>